So, today's topic. I've had vacation for a few days now, and um, it's been nice. Like, I've had a, a good, decent break, and I've needed a good, decent break. Got two more weeks before the semester ends. Um, but it's a difficult holiday for me. So, I'm indigenous, and Thanksgiving is fraught with a lot of different issues when it looks at stereotypes and things of that nature. So today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the truth of Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm going to share my indigenous point of view on the holiday and what I'm doing to transform that entire month and maybe even into next month into instead of looking about giving thanks, I want to look at gratitude. So first off, let me tell you the true story of Thanksgiving. Um, so the timeline, first of all, is really incredibly relative. Uh, the Mayflower did bring pilgrims to North America our, in like 1620. They set up a colony 1621. They did celebrate a successful harvest with a three-day gathering um, which, that was intended by members of the Wampanoag tribe. Um, and this is the only idea that we have and know of Thanksgiving. Uh, the issue is that, um, that got way more complicated. It wasn't until the 1830s that, um, was the event first called Thanksgiving by New Englanders who looked back and tried to resemble that version of the holiday. Uh, it was in 1863 that President Abraham Lincoln uh, declared it as a kind of thank you for the Civil War victories of Vicksburg and Gettysburg. Uh, beyond that, claiming the first Thanksgiving isn't exactly right as uh, both like societies and uh, and festivals have tended to really look at the holiday. So first off. Uh, there wasn't a lot of evidence that uh, natives were really at the first Thanksgiving anyway. Um, and when the pilgrims left, they make this big idea that it was all about religious freedom and that it's not exactly entirely true. Um, they were coming here in order to establish a religious theocracy. And that's not the same thing as coming here for a sense of religious freedom. It's kind of coming here against religious freedom. So again, when we're looking at the pilgrims, like they're like the really weird, super intense religious zealot. Um, and pilgrims didn't call themselves pilgrims. They call themselves separatists. Uh, the term pilgrims didn't really come around till uh, around 1880. Um, again, there's the, one of the biggest misconceptions is pilgrims extended an invitation to native Americans for helping them reap the harvest. Uh, the truth is of how they ended up all feasting together is unknown. Um, the English written record does not mention an invitation, and the Wampanoag oral tradition doesn't reach back to the event. Um, but the reasons the Wampanoag leader could have been there is that his people had been planting on the other side of the brook from the, brook from the colony. Another possibility is that after the harvest was gathered, this was the time for making uh, diplomatic calls. It's true that there was a sense of a celebration at a time that was a cross-cultural moment with food, games, and prayer, um, but 
The deadly conflicts that came after it, though, and that created a undercurrent that is the big problem that happens with Thanksgiving, unfortunately, is really glossed over. We might as well take all the shards of fairness and these ideals of individualism and go wherever we can and recognize um, the credit, like as it was given. I'm getting some of this information from a, a series of sources, but one of the main sources I'm looking at is the New York Times, and it talks about how everything that you learned about Thanksgiving was wrong. And so if you're interested where I'm getting some of this information, um, it was written by Maya Salam, and it was written November 21st, uh, 2017. Um, so again, uh, no, so there is a person known as Squanto, um, and uh, though he did play a role in helping pilgrims as American children are, were caught, his people, the Poxitut, uh, a band of the Wampanoag tribe, lived in the site where the pilgrims settled. When they arrived, there became a translator for them and helped to negotiate discipline and also showed them the most effective methods for planting corn, the best places to fish. Um, this is, again, usually where the Thanksgiving story like gets cut off in American tradition. Uh, truth is, Squanto um, was captured by the English in 1614 and was later sold into slavery in Spain. He spent several years in England. He learned English. He returned to New England in 18 or 1619, only to find his empire his entire tribe dead from smallpox. There's no evidence that turkey was served. There's no mention of turkey. Uh, there was no pie. Uh, settlers would have lacked butter. They would have lacked wheat flour for crust. They had no ovens for baking. Um, what is known is that the pilgrims harvested crops and the Wampanoag brought five deer. Uh, the primary source writings about wild turkey being abundant. There is source writings about wild tur turkey being abundant in that area in the fall. But again, there was no mention of turkey in the first Thanksgiving. And again, those turkeys would have looked completely different from the turkeys we normally consume as part of American Thanksgiving. Expert agree there's definitely wild fowl um, probably there. Goose, duck, maybe turkey served along the venison. Uh, but there was no direct evidence that turkey was served. Um, the meal probably included cornmeal, pumpkin, succotash, cranberries. Uh, there are no sweet potatoes in North America at that time. And um, contrary to popular depictions, uh, there was about 90 native people in attendance, almost the double the number of pilgrims that would have been in attendance at that time. So again, a lot of the... The truth of Thanksgiving is is not really there. Now, here's really the, the the complicated part of Thanksgiving, and that is that the truth is is that um, Thanksgiving was a bloody struggle that decimated a population and ended with someone's head on a stick. Uh, most school children know about the pil pilgrims and Native Americans. In truth, the peace did not last long between the English settlers and the Wampanoag allies. Uh, the two became embroiled in a devastating war just a generation after the feast. Uh, so the, the you know you you kind of know how that story goes, but in reality, um, 
The Thanksgiving feasts had predated Plymouth. Uh, you'll even find them in certain localities uh, and other spaces and places claim to have the first Thanksgiving. Um, settlers in Berkeley in Virginia decided to celebrate what had been an annual Thanksgiving in 1869, according to the Virginian pilot. Uh, the Washingtonian reported the meal was probably just some more, a little more than some ham and some oysters put together. Uh, in decades before that, Spanish settlers and members of the Soloy tribe uh, broke bread with salted pork, garbanzo beans, uh, and a mass um, back in 1565. Our modern definition of Thanksgiving revolves around the idea of eating turkey. Um, but in past centuries, this was more the Thanksgiving meal was more of a religious celebration. Um Thanksgiving and the true origin of Thanksgiving um, is actually um, the Massachusetts colony governor, John Winthrop, declaring a day of Thanksgiving uh, in which to celebrate with colonial settlers uh, battle, which had just slaughtered 700 uh, Pequot men, women and children in what is now Mystic, Connecticut. So again, when we're celebrating these people sitting down and supposed to be having this stuff, sharing these moments together, um, there is maybe some evidence that there was a meal at a point in time, but really the celebration was the history of the celebration of the slaughter. The enduring holiday has um, nearly been erased in our collective memory uh, based on what happened with the Wampanoag and the English even a generation later. Um, there was a chief of the Wampanoag, and he proved to be a crucial ally to the settlers. In the years following up the establishment of Plymouth, he set up an exclusive trade pack with the newcomers and allied them with them against the French and other tribes like the Narragansetts and the Massachusetts. Um, but again, this this ally, this temporary bond, um, hurt after a period of time. Thousands of English poured into the region uh, in the 17th century, and authorities in Plymouth began asserting control over most aspects of Wampanoag life. Um, in addition to that, there was an estimation that disease had already reduced the entire native population as much as 90% between 1616 and 1619, and the indigenous people continued to die from what the settlers called Indian fever. It's kind of funny that the disease they brought is our fever. Um, Wampanoag warriors had responded by embarking on a series of raids uh, after the fight, and New England Confederate Confederation of Colonies declared war in 1675. There was initially a neutral colony of Rhode Island Providence plantations that were ultimately dragged into the fighting, as well as other tribes like the Nanagasurs the Narragansetts. Uh, the war was bloody. It was devastating. Uh, and Sp uh, Springfield, Massachusetts was burned to the ground. Um, Wampanoag uh, abducted colonists for ransom. English forces attacked the Nanagasurits uh, in a bitter frozen swamp battle uh, as they were fleeing. Um, 600 were killed. Colonists from many other settlements uh, relocated to fortified areas as the battling continued for a generation. And the colonists were ultimately uh, allied with several other tribes um, 
and and it and it's just a really difficult history. Like is is really what I want you to know. Um, what is celebrated currently that happened in America was that initial killing of 700 men, women, and children. And it's hard because modern day Thanksgiving is seen as a is a celebration of people coming together, but it's really not the true story of what happens with that. And why I felt uh, I needed to talk about it. Why did why did I need to bring this up? Well, it's hard because I'm becoming more and more aware, and I'm owning more and more of my indigenous identity. Um, now that I'm faculty, um, it's been noted that uh, I am a I'm kind of a, a unicorn now. There's really not that many indigenous faculty members that exist, and I exist outside of the Indian studies discipline. And um, given that I was born and raised kind of in more of a whiteness background, I speak whiteness first. I'm learning indigeneity like now. And so uh, it's it's hard because I'm being seen and notice for my indigeneity in ways that I wasn't as much anymore. And seeing the truth of this holiday, um, celebrating Native American History Month in the same month as Thanksgiving, when Thanksgiving is so complicated, is causing me a lot of pain. It's making me wonder what I should do, what I should take on, what I should not take on. Uh, It's hard because my partner's family, who love me a lot, they still have some some pilgrim-like memorabilia up as part of their Thanksgiving decorations. Um, I really wish there was maybe just indigenous people. Uh, The pilgrim people make me uncomfortable when I see it, and it's hard because I really love these folks. And I don't know what to say about, like, the pilgrim salt shakers. You know, I don't know if it's my place to ask them to put it away. Um, I don't know how to broach the topic or the subject, and it's hard because... uh, you know, there's also a real big part of me that's just happy to have a place to go to. Um, family's been complicated in the last couple years, and my family lives really far away from me up in Wisconsin anyway. So I don't have a lot of places to go to celebrate a Thanksgiving. Thankfully, I still have the walkers here, and they are really wonderful, and I get to visit them. Um, but I'm adopting and getting adopted by my do family as well. And I don't know how to bring up these conversations of pain and discomfort. I don't know how to start a process of creating a Thanksgiving with them. That is less a story of two peoples coming together, um, which really only happened once and has been co-opted as a celebration of people's death Um, I don't know the space and place to have the conversations and it's hard because Native American History Month has been cool and I really enjoyed it and I've been happy to be a part of it and I went to stews and stories and though I didn't tell any stories this time I think I might ask if I can tell some stories next time I'd be proud to tell some stories next time Um, you know there's a big part of me that's just happy to be accepted into the room still and so uh Seeing this and being seen in these areas, I think, is something that um, means a lot to me. But it also means that I need to use my voice in a new and different way. And there's uh, there's something I need to do about it, right? And so, what have I what have I come to? Like, what is what is this 
person who has a very complicated indigenous history and I am mixed, right? So there is a big part of me that's white, especially when you consider that I'm mixed race and I was raised in whiteness. It's a different different and difficult situation that I find myself in. Um, And I'm not blaming anybody, right? Because like, man, I was right. I probably was in some plays. I probably was a pilgrim at some point in time when I was a kid. Um, Because like... How many native people outfits did they have? They probably could dress us all like pilgrims a lot easier than they could have done native people. So what have I done to reconcile this month? Because the other thing that's hard is away from the holiday itself, just the idea of slowing down and being grateful. Like a day put aside just to give thanks, especially in hegemonic um, American culture. Like, damn, man, I'm glad there is a day like that. But it's so hard that it lands on on we killed Native people day. You know, like that's that's tough. It's bitter, man. It's a very bitter pill to swallow. Uh, And I'm trying to find my way with it. So what have I done? What have I done to celebrate this holiday differently? So one of the things I did is I transformed this into a month of gratitude. So rather than only choosing to set aside some time over Thanksgiving, I have adopted um, in this month. Uh, well, I, it made into a grateful practice that lasts every day at work. So every single day I am at work and I am in the office, I get a little alert that says, what three things are you grateful for today? And what are you looking forward to? Right? So Um, when I look at that, what I do is I think of three things in my, in my recent history that I'm really happy for, that I'm really grateful for. That's good. This, uh, according to all the research is going to be one of those things that make you a happier person. It's going to be something that makes you a healthier person, more balanced person. You're going to not want as many things in your life. You're going to be more grateful for the the things you already have in your life. And that is nothing but us 100% pure good thing. And then also I get to prime my my brain for pre-gratitude when I'm grateful for the things that will come, that are coming up, that I'm going to get to see and realize. And so I'm looking forward to that. Now, this last year, not this year, but last year, 2018, I practiced a gratitude practice with uh, one of my coworkers where we'd send each other these emails. What three things are you grateful for? What are you looking forward to? We'd ping them back and forth with each other, right? And what we did is the first full day of work in December, we'd go through that whole list and we would talk about all the things that we saw, all the things that like what happened here and what was going on there. Uh, And trust me, man, like even this month, like I have some things really to be grateful for. Um, My car got totaled uh, in an accident where honestly I was not paying attention. And full disclosure, I was looking down at my phone trying to send a text and I hit a parked car. And... uh, Having that conversation over and over again sucks because I feel a lot of deep shame about that thing. Um, But I've been praying and I've been really lucky. Um, My insurance paid out. They take care of the other guy's car. They took care of my car. I got basically the same car. It's the same color. It's the same year. 2017 Kia Nero. Um, And it's got about 6,000 less miles. And I think like if I was going to go bananas with my estimation of how much it would have cost to replace my car as well as get rid of my car payment it was a probably an out of pocket of two thousand dollars i was hoping to pay my car off no matter what 
uh, as soon as I got my tax return, but this was just a good excuse to get out of debt. Um, I got out of debt this weekend, out of car debt this weekend, and my partner Michelle got out of car debt this weekend. And again, right for that, I'm incredibly grateful for that. The cool thing of what's happened with this little gratitude practice at work is we spread it by three other people. So it was me and Norma and we stayed in it and I got three other of my coworkers to join in on this practice and share the things that they are happy with, that they're grateful for. And I'm really looking forward to going into work Monday and talking about those things that we're happy about, those things that we were so grateful for. And I'm going to be continuing this practice. I don't know that I would have had my gratitude practice without a Thanksgiving. And that's complicated too. And do I call it Thanksgiving? Do I call it Turkey Day? Do I call it my month of gratitude? Like, I don't know. And there's not one right answer for what to do or how to do this. But what I need you to know and what I need you to take away from this is understand that For indigenous people, this is a really complicated month. It's Native American history, I think week. I don't know if it's even on the whole month. And so we're brought out to dance. We're brought out to tell some stories. Uh, The highly successful ones within a, a whiteness American society are brought out to show that, yeah, we can do it too. Um, but it ends with this reminder of some of our people's death around all these images of things that are problematic. And, you know, I've shared some articles about how can you decolonize your Thanksgiving? How can you eat more indigenous food? How can you remember more indigenous people and the sacrifice that they really made to create a United States of America? I think that's one of the bigger things that um, indigenous people would want from this is why don't you give thanks for the indigenous sacrifice that had to happen to create this space. It's funny because indigenous people, they kind of still like the American flag because that's still a representation of home. We didn't, you know, we didn't have flags back in the day. Like we might have like symbols and stuff. But when we see the flag, that flag reminds us of home. And so it's hard because that flag also, when seen or viewed by other people, means a country that's betrayed me, a country that's hurt me, a country that's held me down for a long period of time. It's complicated. So what I would ask of you is share this unfortunate truth with other people. Let them know the truth of what Thanksgiving was, uh, what it looked like, who who had to suffer for a Thanksgiving to happen, who continues to suffer, to suffer for a Thanksgiving to happen, and what can we do to be holistic, a little bit more holistic in how we view things moving forward. So with that, I am going to go over uh, what I've done with my activism in the past week and It doesn't look like I have been as busy with my activism in the past week. Uh, No service that I have, although I do have some coming up Monday. Um, I know there was a weekend that we were out of town, and I think that was over uh, Veterans Day weekend, and that was great. I was really, really grateful for that. Uh, We did do the Global Leadership Conference, and that was excellent, a wonderful opportunity to get a few things done. We got to have... I got to have dinner with my friend Matt Case, and I'm going to be doing an Entertown 
group leadership facilitation training this Saturday. And so if you're interested in that, uh, let me know. But I do have some details about that that I can share with you. Um, the Anytown group facilitation training is going to be Saturday from 8 a.m. to noon. Uh, and that is, or I'm sorry, 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. And it's going to be at 2075 East Maryland Ave. If you want to register for that, um, email me at inclusiveactivism at cox.net and I will show you how to get there. Um, both me and my good friend Bailey are going to be talking about how we can help you have conversations where people can come to their own decisions about how they think, feel, and uh, want to go forward with something after having experience. Uh, this is you being someone that facilitates a conversation that brings them to a little bit better. I also got to sit down and talk with Amber about potentially looking at a different role for being an Anytown person. Um, although uh, I don't know what that role is going to look like, so I'm going to keep some of that stuff under wraps. And um, didn't get to go do service like I was hoping to. We were going to try to go to Better Piggies uh, Pig Rescue, but we both got rained out and the car getting totaled was a real big issue. Um, I did go to a meeting about looking at creating a Kingian nonviolence civil rights history retreat, um, which might happen in 2020. And so that happened yesterday, and I'm looking forward to that thing going down. Um, Self-care, uh, lifting before this week was really good on On Point. I think I got all my days in. This week, of course, I didn't get any of those days in because after that accident, it just threw my whole life into a giant sense of upheaval, and I didn't know what to do or how to navigate any of those things given all those things that had happened there. And so uh, self-care, like I got a couple hikes in, I can say, um, but I really want to get back to lifting. I really want to spend a little bit more intentional time into deeper, hard-breathing cardio because I'm a little bit worried uh, about some stuff with my heart. And um, outside of that, like, not you know, I, I didn't do the meditating as much as I need to. Like, the, the urgency of my situation didn't allow me that opportunity to dig into some of those things as much as I hoped I would. But next week, I'll be doing some service. I'll have a Healing Racism meeting on a whiteness series that we're looking to bring forward that I'm really excited about. And then I may go to a kickball tournament, but I don't know because with that kickball tournament, I'm still uncertain as to um, if I'm going to do that or if I want to spend my time uh, brushing up and getting ready for that any town training. So still figuring some stuff out with that. Um, but looking forward to get back on, back on top of my meditation and looking forward back into cardio a little bit more. And the other thing that's really amazing is like, I am two weeks left into the semester. That's it. That's all I got. And then my semester is over. So I'm looking forward to that happening in the very near future. So I hope you're doing okay with self-care too. This is the time where self-care tends to fly out the window. And my recommendation of the podcast is going to be something that I found on Facebook. I'm going to read it to you and it talks about self-care. And it's a little bit about reframing self-care and how can you see self-care a little bit differently. And again, uh, this is something that I saw, something that deeply, deeply resonated with me. And I want to share with you because I feel like it's something that you, too, could get a lot out of. So give me just a second to find it. All right, here we go. I'm going to read it for you. Self-care is often 
a very unbeautiful thing. It is making a spreadsheet of your debt and enforcing your morning routine and cooking yourself healthy meals and no longer just running from your problems and calling the distraction a solution. It is often doing the ugliest thing that you have to do, like sweat through another workout or to tell a toxic friend you don't want to see him anymore or to get a second job so you can actually have a savings account or figuring out a way to come to a sense of acceptance for yourself so that you're not constantly exhausted from trying to be everything all the time and then needing to take a deliberate mandated break from living and doing basic things like dropping some oil into the bath and read Marie Claire until and turn your phone off for the day. In a world in which self-care has become such a trendy topic that the world is sick, self-care should not be something that we resort to because we are so absolutely exhausted that we need some reprieve from our own internal relentless pressure. True self-care is not salt baths or chocolate cake. It's making the choice to build a life that you don't need to regularly escape from. And often, it takes doing the thing you least want to do. Often, it means looking at your failures and disappointments square in the eye and choosing to re-strategize. It's not satiating your immediate desires. It is letting that shit go. It is choosing new. It is disappointing some people. It's also choosing to make sacrifices for others. It is living in a way that other people won't so that you can live in a way that other people can't. It is letting yourself be normal, regular, and at times, honestly, just unexceptional. It is something... It is sometimes having a dirty kitchen and deciding your ultimate goal in life is not going to be having abs and keeping up with your fake ass friends. It is deciding how much of your anxiety comes from not actualizing your latent potential and how much of it comes from the way you are being trained to think before you even knew what was happening. You find yourself having, if you find yourself having to regularly indulge in some consumer self care, it is because you are disconnected from actual self care, which has very little to do with treat yourself and a whole lot to do with parenting yourself and making choices that will lead to your long term sense of true wellness. It is no longer using your hectic and unreasonable life for justification for self-sabotage in the form of liquor or procrastination. It is learning how to stop trying to fix yourself and actually starting to be in charge of taking care of yourself. And maybe finding that taking care lovingly attends to a lot of the problems you were really trying to fix in the first place. It means taking the responsibility for being the hero of your life and not sitting back and enjoying the victimhood of that choice. It means rewiring what you have until your everyday life isn't something you need therapy to recover from. It is no longer choosing a life that looks good over a life that truly 
feels good. It means giving the hell up on some of your goals so you can care about others. It means being honest, even if that means you aren't going to be universally liked. It is meeting your own needs so you aren't anxious and dependent on other people being there for you. Or you being dependent on them. It is becoming the person that you want and you are meant to be. Someone who knows that bath salts and chocolates are ways to enjoy life. And not simply to escape it from it. Wise, beautiful words from Brianna Wiest. I'm so happy she shared that with me. And I'm so happy I got to share that t- with you. Because I felt like this was a little bit of a rambling one. It was hard. There's a lot of heart out there. And I just don't know what to see or think about some of that stuff. So with that, um, if this podcast helped you, it, it resonated with you in some way, if it gave you something, uh, please let me know. You can get a hold of me at 860-576-9393. Again, the podcast number is 860-576-9393. Or you can get a hold of me at inclusiveactivism at Cox. That's I-N-C-L-U-S-I-V-E-A-C-T-I-V-I-S-M at cox.net. A great way to get a hold of me, and I'm really looking forward to hearing from you uh, if you have any thoughts or ideas. Um, Podcast has not been great lately. Um, No amazing stats to share with you uh, between the last time the site was there and what's going on now. And so uh, that's not fun to share, but this is the truth, too. What are we going to do? If the truth is the truth, we got to live with the truth. Uh, but uh, that being said, I really do think that I would like to hear what you have to say, your thoughts and opinions, because it's going through a little bit more of a dry spell. And I don't know if that's a me thing or if that's a you thing or uh, if you're not getting the same value out of stuff that you're used to. Uh, I don't know. But. It's where we are, and I appreciate that truth. So please like, share, review. We actually had another review that I thought was incredible. I was so happy about that idea. So um, I might take a second and look that up so I can share it with you because I was so happy uh, about that thing that um, I want to like just take a second to let you know what's going on with that. Um, but Apple Podcast is importing from my library, and it's driving me freaking bananas. Oh, here we go. So, yeah, a review, and I was really excited to see that. Uh, apparently, not really pulling up anything right this second. I hope you're having a good ride. I hope, like, life is good for you right now, and uh, things are in a good space. So. Oh, dang it. I can't go there from here. I will see what I can do to share that with you next time because I'm not logged in and I'm having a stressful time. So with that, um, send me some of your love, thoughts, and affections because uh, I, I guess I could use it. Um, I'm having a really hard time with the podcast not doing as great as I'd hoped. And um, this this podcast in particular is sharing a big piece of me with you. And I hope uh, you felt me on that because... It's hard to share who you really are, what's going on with you. So today what we talked about is I talked about Thanksgiving, it's past, and it's true history, and it's true historical ramifications. Uh, We talked about the one indigenous person's view on Thanksgiving and how I am attempting to reconcile this super complicated holiday and how I don't know what to do with some of the people that I love in my life and where to go with them and what to say 
Uh, I think that's really a, the truth of the inclusive activist walk is what do we do in these spaces and situations. And if you feel this way with something like reach out to me because I would really appreciate hearing how you're having some of these same struggles and that would make a, a difference for me. And then lastly, I'm gonna, I told you how I've used the the pain of what Thanksgiving has been to practice gratitude over the course of my life all over the place and all over the space. And um, I can tell you what, that happiness practice is making me a little bit more of a happy person and I appreciate where it's taking me. And with that, um, know, dear listener, that I love and I appreciate you. Um, I had a difficult situation happen to me, but things are going to be all right. Uh, It's all working out, and I'm glad to see that uh, I'm coming to a space where things are getting a little bit better. So thank you so much for your time and attention. If this podcast is helping you in any way, please share it, and please let me know uh, that this matters with you. With that, be easy. I love you, dear friend. Be blessed and have peace. Thank you.